Episode 96 of the Art of War Down Under podcast. My name is Adam Camilleri. I'm joined by, 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 by the gentleman who's been with us for these last three weeks. This is the fourth and final week of this content. I'll have him again surely because he's been such an absolute legend. Anthony Vanella, how you doing, brother? I am great. I am very excited to be here. Still excited to be here. Been here for this is week number four. <laughs> You're just part of the scenery now. Yeah, I'm just, you know, part of the part of the furniture. Really excited. I literally just finished a game playing with the book we're about to talk about. Uh, that went well. Narrow victory over Hail of Doom Eldar, so you can <laughs> do it, it turns out. Yeah, just really, well, really good. Going that, well. It's a lot of fun. Well, for those of you who don't know, this will be the second and final part of the review of the Renegade Knights Codex, completing the trifecta or the quadfecta, whatever the hell that word is, of <laughs> Knight content for the last four weeks in a row. The part two of this episode is going to be our usual think tank on matchups, list tech, and seeing as Anthony's literally just played what I believe is one of the worst matchups for, or second worst matchup for Renegade Knights. It came out with a W. I think that's going to be fantastic to unpack in part two, what you ran, how it went why you won and how you think you can do better next time but if you want that part two in addition to the entire backlog of 96 other episodes or what's 96 times two 192 episodes that i think i've done now if you times that by two because i've done part ones and part two if you want all those go over to patreon the art of war down under or go to the art of war 40k.com purchase second part of this podcast in addition to the second part of all the other wonderful art of war podcasts and contents and war rooms and other things anthony is a coach he's about to tell you about it and why you should sign up for some coaching especially if you play the big stompy boys yes if you are on the stompy boys i'm on like i like to think at this point i'm on like the bleeding edge of trying to master this book Uh, i play a lot of games with them in a given week i talk about them all the time with some other people that are out there just crushing it with them uh shout out to tim penny he's really killing it too he's taking them to an event this weekend um yeah i have a lot of data when it comes to this codex i have a couple people already that i'm coaching on it Come talk to me, hit me up, let's get you up a couple levels, because I think people are still sleeping on this book, and I think they're going to stay sleeping on this book, basically for the entirety of the time that it is good, Um, because people look at knights as like this low skill, like not very good stat check army, and Mm -hmm. they're going to get surprised when you like put 12 secondary points on the board turn one, and then you're just like, they're looking down at you like, oh no, I'm really behind on points. Well, it's interesting. This really interesting thing is starting to emerge. There was an assumption when, with it, when the first impressions of these two books came out, that Imperial Knights was going to be the stronger of the two by dint of having a more well, well-rounded combo game. But that combo game, especially the um, the crazy uh, Mortal Wound Spiking Crusader that we unpacked in part two. Um, a couple of weeks ago, that doesn't seem to have, have been be crushing skulls as much as it needs to, because I think it, it, it that list relies on combo pieces, as in you can unpack that combo by targeting the paladin, uh, taking away the other bits and pieces here, or you just have the turn where that guy needs to go off, and he doesn't. And I'm hearing that a lot now. Like, I had a mate who um, 
has played a couple of games and he said he played against Tao and he just needed to turn two. He, he turn one, he was able to play pretty safe on WTC tables and, you know, he lost a couple of Armagers. Then he came out on his turn two and tried to go the full shebang ham, pick up as much as he could. And the Crusader didn't kill anything. Didn't kill, like every CP, every strat, every combo piece didn't actually get a kill. And then they just stopped playing the game because there's no point. So it is interesting to see, I think. Uh, sorry, does that hold up with what you, which what you're seeing, Anthony, as well? Pretty much, like the knights, the imperial knights have a better fallback if their murder game goes sideways than mm-hmm. chaos does. I think. I think if you bounce this chaos, you're kind of just screwed. Um, whereas imperials can like they're still scoring points on that like weird shadow yeah. op secondary they have, yep. and like they're obviously very good at strangle and like they're more well rounded. I think still, but chaos are really, and I mean wildly, good at the primary yeah. smother game. Holy moly! Primary scores. It's almost like chaos rewards um, your generalship on a, on your the one one game plan you have. You get so much more rewarded on that than but Imperial Knights get rewarded for being a little bit more flexible game by game, matchup by matchup. But if you can dictate the terms to your opponent, like Renegade Knights, Renegade Knights going first just seemed to be a nightmare for ninety percent oh, of the matter. Um, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, jumping into the review, my man. Uh, for those following along at home, we will be starting at page 74. This is the Warlord Traits. Um, the first of these is Eager for the Kill. Um, add one to advance and charge rolls made for this Warlord. And whilst this Warlord is in your opponent's deployment zone, add one to its attacks characteristic. So this is just for a full send yeah. lad. Whoever this that may is for be. a guy that's going to be getting in there, getting after it. One thing I do want to call out, because this wasn't super relevant in the Knights book, because you'll almost always take a big boy, but there are starting to emerge Chaos Knight builds where you don't, and you take 14 small knights. Yes. Um, the small knights can only have the first of these three Warlord traits. They can't have four, five, or six. Really? They can only have yes. the, what, number one and number two? One, two, and three. So okay. you'd have to, yeah, it's like a D3, essentially. There you go. That's very interesting. Um, yeah. I, I am hearing that as well. Like people, a lot of people playing with. Um, see, it's interesting. Most of the imperialized armies are starting with three big boys and four to five armagers, depending on what you can take. Um, yep. Or, but all the all the chaos knight builds I'm seeing are starting with two big boys and six to eight uh, little guys. Yeah, I mean, I'm playing one and eleven right now, but the war dog mm, kit is just yeah. so much better. Absolutely right. All right, number two is harbinger of scrap code. This is in the morale phase, select an enemy vehicle within 18 inches of the Warlord, the unit must take a dread test. If the test has failed, Oof. the unit suffers three mortal wounds, and you have the number of wounds they have for the purpose of bracketing. Oof. If this worked on monsters and vehicles, it would be a lot better, as it is, I mean, it's pretty sandbox, like it's pretty bracket. Has to be a vehicle within 18? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, this one's pretty specific. Also, though, uh, of note, I'm sorry, I kind of left out the end of that. Models in that unit whose characteristics do not change as they suffer damage reduce their ballistic skill and weapon skill by one. That's pretty cute. I mean, there are plenty of vehicles in the meta, right? Yeah. But are you going to pay a CP for a like a, a a warlord trait that only comes up one in five games? Yeah, and even then they have to fail a dread test, which is not guaranteed. Is far from guaranteed. Yeah. All right. Warp, uh, warp hunted, haunted hull. Uh, once per turn, this warlord can attempt to deny the witch at worth of a psyker. If this unit is a psyker, then each enemy psychic phase it can deny uh, the witch one additional time. And each time this warlord loses a wound as a result of a, in the psychic phase, roll a d6 on a five plus. That wound is not lost. Um, it's interesting. It's not limited to mortal wounds in the psychic phase. But I'm trying to think about how uh, how else you take damage in the psychic phase. That isn't mortal shooting wounds. or explosions. Well, I guess I guess there are armies that shoot in the psychic phase still, yeah. Yeah, Grey Knights can do it, I think, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, and then theoretically, you could get punched by a Sunesh demon in the psychic phase. Oh, that's true, isn't it? Yeah, they have hysterical frenzy or whatever it is. Um, yeah, if they have hysterical frenzy Bellacore into your head, that seems yeah. good to have. <laughs> two and th- two and three, though, seem very niche. I'm hoping uh, number one seems awesome, though. But let's hope that four, five, and six picks it up. I actually take number three. My list is quite good. But Ooh, anyway, okay. On to four, uh, Knight Diabolus. Uh, this is add one to the Warlord's attack characteristics, Sick. and every time you attack, you can reroll hit rolls of one in melee. Sick. Yeah, uh, this is insane. <laughs> just is flatly good. nuts on nights. <laughs> yeah, one attack and reroll hit rolls of one. So just yeah. So it equates to three more swings of whichever weapon you're going for, in addition yep. to probably two additional hits, three additional hits, I converting mean, it's not more, right? Because if you're taking the exploding sixes house, you, this can convert into. Oh, holy crap. You are correct. Yeah. That is big. Um, Infernal Quest is up next. The wallet has the objective secured ability. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, Obsec Large Knight yeah, on the Warlord trait. Powerful. Nothing wrong with that. Last one is Aura of Terror, which is part of a larger combo that I guess we'll break down in part two. If this is each time an enemy unit that is within dread range of this Warlord, each time a morale test or a dread test is taken for that unit, roll an additional d6 and discard the lowest. That's big. Big deal. Mm-hmm. Yep, this is potentially extremely disruptive um it's not you don't always take this this isn't like in every list because you're not like super building around dread that way in most lists but there are some specific builds that you can start to take that this is like a part of a combo that really can get very annoying to deal with um there's a build that specifically crushes msu armies that we'll talk about in part two so follow along number one and number four just seem to be the most straight line um straight line power right for what, what Renegade Knights end up doing a lot of the time, which is just going straight for the throat. Um, you get plus one advance and charge, and plus one attack in your opponent's deployment zone is awesome. And then just plus one attack in real ones is awesome. Yeah, super good. The The argument I have for three is yep. that uh, it's very easy to make a Chaos Knights list with one character. And then yep. an, a common go-to secondary nowadays is Psychic Interrogate or Warp Ritual. Ritual. Yeah, And something Chaos Knights are already doing through the Dread Table is adding a bunch of uncertainty to the opposing turn. And if you just have that deny, they can't ever really be 100% sure that that, those are just going to happen. Yeah. So it's really good. Well, well, you know, you play against Eldar and they don't get the right fate dice, or you just roll the ball of 10 you need to to shut them down or whatever. Um, It's a big deal, man. Yeah. All right. Next up is the Warp Storm Discipline. Uh, This is the psychic discipline that um, Abominants get. Uh, access to first one is winds of the warp is a blessing it was just an aura it has a warp charge value of six if manifested until the start of your next psychic phase each time the cycle loses a wound on a five plus that wound is not lost if the result of the psychic test was eight or more while a friendly household war dog class model was in six each time that model would lose a wound roll a d6 on a six that wound is not lost this uh, broke some hearts and minds when people uh, first saw this. It's kind of, I'm not, not sure if it's petering off in power, but I see less people excited about it now than they were initially. I still think this is phenomenal. If you're going down, if you're taking an abominant, this is bread and butter. Yeah, you basically take an abominant for this, because as yeah. we'll talk about when we get to the data sheet, the abominant's not actually that good. Um, this is really strong. I really wish this was targeted. Um, if this was targeted instead of like this psyker, Dude. This spell would be really good, and you would take <laughs> yeah. it in every oh, list. Dude, you'd see this guy and a rampage in every list. And every turn one, rampage of five plus, feel no pain. Off you go, son. Get in there. Yeah, good luck, uh, soldier. <laughs> yeah, that'd be crazy, man. Yeah, but uh, as it is, it's definitely strong. Uh, it the the conditional is weird because you like want to play around it and put all your stuff within six, 
and then like it doesn't go off on the high value and then you're kind of just like this awkward bubble for no reason well exactly right isn't it the order of operations here kind of messes like you you don't know if you're going to make the eight and then you position yourself poorly because you think you might have a six up you fail it or you get denied like i mean i think awkward I'm I'm starting to take watched in almost all my Dark Angels lists. I was yep. like, ah, watched. <laughs> yep. Position poorly, turn off the power, and yeah, cool, we go to the races. Yeah, this one's super annoying um, from that perspective as well, because the Abominant, like when you take a 430-point Psyker, he needs to be in it, right? That guy needs to be getting multiple phase value, he needs to be shooting, yeah. he needs to be fighting. This guy can't just sit in the back of the table and cast this. Like, it's not like sure. other disciplines. And that's something you have to kind of keep in mind when you're evaluating this discipline as a whole. These are spells that need to go off with no casting bonus in deny range. Take yes, that for what you will. <laughs> I was about to say, because the the obvious power here is the Abominant moves up with a bunch of merely war dogs and right. po- poses up, posts up in the midboard and just sends them in from a place of, of strength and positioning power where you can reach any objective you want every turn. Um, I suppose that's the best way to do it. But once again, you don't know if you're going to make the eight. If this was a few, if this was a seven, for sure, you would just you would could just plan around it. For, if you're lucky, three turns of the game with some CP yeah. rerolls, you're going to get it off. Um, but yeah, as it is, it's phenomenal. Still, it's still so powerful, man. Just having yeah, a five plus on a night, crazy. Um, next one. Next up, we have Vortex Terrors. This is a warp charge value of five. If manifested, select one enemy unit within 18 inches of the psyker till the start of your next psychic phase. Subtract the leadership characteristic from that model. Each time a unit that unit is selected to shoot or fight, it must take a dread test. If that test is failed, then until the end of the phase, reduce the weapon skill and ballistic skill of the unit by one. That's really good. It is really good. Yeah. Doesn't need to be visible. Only goes off on a five. And it's, it's got the minus one to make the dread test easier to, to fail as well. Yep. Just straight line, simple, debuff, hurts. Tau hate this. Tau super hate this. Yeah, Tau are mm-hmm. not a fan. Because mm-hmm. Tau are able to ignore hit modifiers, but not ballistic skills. One ballistic exactly right, man. Making them hitting on fours to hit on fives. Or you can have all the rerolls in the world. Your knight's just good. Like. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> the Storm Malevolent. A malediction with a watch charge value of seven. If manifested, select one enemy within 18 of the Psyker until the start of the next Psychic phase. Each time a friendly Chaos Knight model makes a melee attack against that unit, add one to the wound roll. On a modified wound roll of six, the target suffers one mortal wound in addition to normal damage. A maximum of three mortal wounds can be inflicted on each enemy unit per phase as a result of this Psychic power. But it, it says it only goes off in, the, it, uh, in melee. So why does it have the caveat saying per phase? It should say per unit. But anyway, what yeah. do you think of this? In any other codex, this would be really good. Mm-hmm. In Chaos Knight specifically, you probably don't need this. You never struggle for strength, right? Strength's not the thing you worry about. Wounding is so easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. Because usually agree. if you're struggling to wound, it's transhuman or something mm-hmm. doing that. This doesn't help. Uh, yeah. It's also capped at three mortal wounds, so it's not like you're like, oh, I'll sweep and get a bunch of more. It's just like, all right, I'll get three more mortal wounds. It's yeah. just not that good. <laughs> if it was capped at six... I'd be a lot. I'd be a lot hotter yeah, on it. Different conversation. Yeah, Captain Three is a bit. Uh, it's a bit weak. Yeah. Yeah, a bit Necrons for me. Mm. <laughs> oof, oof, big <laughs> oof, savage. All right, take it away. Next up, we have Cyclonic Lamentation. This is another part of that dread combo I was talking about earlier. Uh, it is a Witchfire power with the warp charge value of six. If manifested, every enemy unit within twelve inches of the Psyker must take a dread test. Each unit that fails suffers a mortal wound. If the result of the test was an 11+, plus, each unit that fails their dread test suffers D3. Um, this can get really out of hand mm. really fast against MSU armies. 
Oh, yeah, I was about to say, because against conventional armies, you're like, oh, maybe three units take one mortal wound? Oh, whatever. Um, I mean, that's still three mortals. It's still, it's still it's the best, that's the best case smite, right? That's not a right. super smite. Um, the bracket on this is a bit large as well. 11 plus is pretty rough. 10 plus would have been a lot more powerful. Yeah, you have to super, yeah. super smite. It, that's, yeah. That's a bit um, yikes. But man, I mean, how many units can you get within 12 of a night base? The answer is a lot, right? A lot, yeah. Within 12 <laughs> on, like, either side, either direction. Like, mm -hmm. you start doing this into, like, again, like, Eldar, Drukhari, like, any of those armies where there are, like, a lot of bodies in a lot of places, or GSC, God forbid. Oh, yeah, no. It's, it's rough. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's true. Um, and we also, we've also seen that they have another couple of abilities that are similar to this, where they can do some incidental mortals just by, like, walking past units. The ability to do mortals is what sets this army apart from a lot of the other leadership shenanigans armies. Because they're forcing dread tests, which do mortals, which force morale tests, which cause problems. Ah, uh, yeah, I get what you mean. Um, because yeah. you, you can force morale to be taken at really bad negatives. And so you can just do one mortal wound and then force a freaking 50-50 morale test that kills another model and forces, yeah, another one dead. Um, there is some yep. spiciness there. Coruscating Hate is up next. It's a Witchfire with a warp charge value of 6. If manifests the closest enemy unit within 18 of and visible to the Psyker, suffers D3 mortal wounds. Then roll 1D6. On a 2 to 3, the closest other enemy unit within 6 of and visible to that enemy unit suffers 1 mortal wound. On a 4+, plus, it suffers D3 mortal wounds. So this is similar to an Executioner, but that doesn't hit the same unit. It hits the next closest unit. Yeah, it doesn't need you to kill anything either. It's like a weird chain yeah. smite. Yeah, it's not bad. No, it's definitely is. pretty good. Yeah. Stuff like this is very valuable too, because under the lens of just like a power, this is fine. But don't forget, these powers are feeding into favors usually, and that's a pretty mm. big deal to be able to take these extra wounds off the favor count. Well, exactly right. What we left off with last week, guys, was the favors. That is the, the points purchase upgrade that you get for your knights, and they triggered off the amount of things you have killed. So this is all just adding up to an abominate going Super Saiyan on you. Yeah, he just becomes transhitman with no rerolls, and now he's real annoying to kill. And with a five, I feel no pain. <laughs> like, oh my yeah, god. <laughs> oh no. All right, last one's yours. Last one is Spite Squall. Maledictions. It has a warp charge value of six. If manifested, select an enemy unit within 18 inches of the Psyker until the start of your next Psychic phase. That unit cannot fire Overwatch or set to defend. Nice. And keep a tally next to that unit. Gotta love these tallies in the Chaos books. Yeah. Add one to the tally every time a model in that unit is destroyed. At the end of each phase, if that unit's still there, roll a d6 for each uh, mark on the tally. For every roll of a 5-up, the unit suffers a mortal wound. Then I reset it to zero for the end of the phase. This is big chaos energy. You have to it's keep a super. tally. It's yeah. a based off the amount of dudes that die. Then you have to roll dice afterwards. For each five up, you take one mortal. <laughs> uh, okay. When do you roll the five ups? At the end of each phase. After the psychic phase. Every single phase and that, that unit loses dudes until yep. your next psychic phase. You roll again. Yep. Okay. So... This oh, does this help you mitigate like Death Stars, like you know T Sun's big boy units and Paladins and stuff? Because that's what it's trying to do, but I'm not sure it does. It's not super great at that because no. like because it only you only get a mark on the tally when a casualty is taken by the unit, right? Yeah. So like, if you want to do one mortal wound on average, you need to kill three Great. dudes in the unit. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you to do one more mortal, yeah. No. Yeah, it's like weird anti-horde tech, yeah. I guess. And hordes don't exist. I mean, if you play it against Terminus S, you'll be a happy boy. But Or the new um, 
crazy um, rack horde. Yeah, one, I mean, if you, you play know. against Terminus Nest, you're already pretty excited. Yeah, it's true. You're like, ha uh, But, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you literally can't hurt me. Yay! <laughs> yeah. But you will feel like a baller in the, with about, like versus the rack horde when they have no way to stop your psyche powers going off and just like, yep, squall. And then I'll, I'll just shoot half the, the pox, pox walkers dead. Oh, sorry, the, the rack's dead. And then now he's like, he's like eight mortal wounds afterwards. Um, if you're going to do that, though, you might as well just take Cyclonic and do like a million dread tests on their now terrible leadership. That's correct. That's correct. Like there are the, there are the better. Like it feels cute, but man, it's just too much work. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's literally, hear me out. This is a hot take. It's not worth the clock time it will take no. to manage. <laughs> <laughs> that is a call that should be the, that's that's the new bottom of the barrel it's not worth the clock time it would take <laughs> yeah to um, figure it out like don't bother yeah, just yeah yeah this turns off overwatch anything else is like it does it on accident could somebody play some meme lord out there please make that into like a a, a logo like it's just anthony <laughs> being like that's not worth the clock time it would take to cast um that's yeah. not worth the clock yep. time it would take dot 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 um yeah yeah, phenomenal. That's, that's really good. But see, the thing is, like, you're casting a spell on something, and then you have to invest shooting and combat into to make this worth putting, when you could just yeah. take a spell that was worth casting by itself. Yeah, you could just start with something that didn't That was suck. worth casting. <laughs> that, <Yeah. doesn't> suck. <laughs> that doesn't require two more phases of investment in order to be worth it in the first place. All right, Listen, dude, if I wanted to do all this work, I would have just went to school to be an accountant. Like- <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's say you're taking an abominant. How many powers do they get? They can have up to three, right? They get take some two. upgrades. There's no way to take a third. Yeah, you can get extras, but that you probably shouldn't. Fair. Uh, so it's 100 wins of the warp. What's the next one? Uh, I, honest to God, because so the the only time I will ever take an abominant is when I'm doing like a really specific dread test, like hell combo, and he's there to break MSU matchups, which can be a yep. bit of a struggle. So the other one that I'm taking is Cyclonic. That's fair. That's totally fair. And just walking around your invincible abominant, and he's just like, uh, you're some scattered mortal wounds to literally everyone. Yeah, everybody takes a bunch of mortals, take a really awful leadership test that you can't insane bravery out of because of Traitor's Mark, which we'll get to in a minute. And, like, good luck! Like, you're going to lose just a bunch of dudes and a bunch of squads for no mm. reason. <laughs> fair. All right, jumping down to the relics. First one is the Blasphemous Engine. Infernal Household Abhorrent or Infernal Household War Dog class model only. This time the bearer would lose a wound as a result of a mortal wound. Whilst it's unique, it's de- Demonic Surge, Traitorous Ambition. Roll 1d6 on 2+, plus, the wound is not lost, so when you try and models yourself on 2+, plus, you ignore them. Um, and then the second part of this is the bearer is considered to have double the number of wounds remaining for the purpose of determining what characteristics are on its profile in use. Uh, I don't hate this. This one's pretty good. It has... Yeah mild like why do i have to roll to ignore those wounds why can't i just ignore them ignore feelings them. attached to it yeah but like you know all right i guess um but yeah it's it's a good relic because ignoring like oftentimes what will hamstring a shooting night is that it'll bracket itself and then yeah. become very bad at shooting and then have a forest um, or something It'd be like oh, yeah and that's the nightmare it's yeah. like forest you just bracketed yourself and you hit on five and you're 400 points mm-hmm. not great so this helps with that a whole bunch awesome i like it a lot up to you. Yep, this one's pretty good. It's only Infernal, but it is good. Um, next one is only Iconoclast. This is the Veil of uh, Medringard. This is Abhorrent or Wardog only. You get a 4-up all the time against ranged attacks, and you pick up the only source of a 6-up invulnerable against oh, wow. melee. Big yikes. Yeah, it's a 6-up, which is better than a nothing. But I mean, it's, it's it's like I mean, the Imperium Knights, the Imperial Knights one was just was just the first dot point, just the one against range attacks. For so a you do, warlord trait. <laughs> yeah, you do. It is 
I'm trying here. Work with me. <laughs> <laughs> this sucks, and you're probably going to take it. Yeah, yeah, that's the best way to put it. That's correct. Because this is not very good, and it's still kind of fine. It's fine when you roll the when you roll it when you spike a couple of six pluses. You're going to be real chuffed, and then when you roll a bunch of fives, you're going to be real unhappy because this should yeah, be a five upset. plus. Yeah. There's a bunch of really hype relics in here, though. Like, I don't want to talk down the relic section too much. I think they actually, over the course of it, have better relics. Than the Imperial Knights. It's pretty close. That's that's a big call. The Imperial Knights section was freaking stacked. I'd like to hear that. Um, yeah. Next up is Helm of Warp Sight. A Borrowant of War Dogs only, but no no Iconoclast or Infernal restrictions. You can ignore any or all hit roll and ballistic skill modifiers, and the target does not receive the benefits of cover against that attack. That is a phenomenal relic, my man. Really good. On Again, the shooting knights is like, mm, you actually have some some gas there. That's a, Yeah, that's I like that a lot. Uh, next up, we have the Diamonas, which is the most unnecessary relic ever. <laughs> this thing is hilarious. This thing does way too much damage. Uh, tight, heavy, three. Strength, 16. AP, five. Damage, six plus D3. It's an upgraded laser destructor. This mm-hmm. thing bangs. Uh, there is strong argument to taking this on a Desecrator. If you're taking a Desecrator, you should probably take this. You should probably I mean, just take this to give it real shooting. There is no Imperial equivalent for this, like, on a... No on a um a questorus class right the only thing is the um the volcano lance on the well, and the even then it's d3 shots exactly this thing is flat three and i am a fan i'm a yeah fan. they shoot some really big holes and things yes and oh, it, it gives you a favorite relic. nice the teeth that hunger uh model equipped with a reaper chainsword only it is strength plus eight neg four uh, damage six, or so with your sweep, strength plus two, minus three, two. Each time attacking with weapon, sweep profile, three rolls, hit rolls instead of one. Um, each time it makes one additional attack with this weapon, uh, sorry, each time the bear fights, and each time attacking with weapon, you select one of the profiles. So one additional attack, is that it? One additional attack, and it's plus two strength on each instead of the profiles, of, and yeah. it's plus one AP. And it's plus one AP, yeah, exactly. Well, it's, is it plus one AP on the sweep? Uh, no, actually, sorry, the AP is the same. Yeah, so but it's, it's extra, plus it's, two strength and an extra yeah. attack, and that is so you, the breakpoints are wild here. Well, I was about to say strength 10 to strength 8, or even strength 9 to strength 10 is such a big breakpoint at the moment. Like, Tyranid yep. warriors have to die. They just, you just kill, you just gotta kill them dead, guys. Don't know how oh, I can yeah. stress this enough. And you get an extra Ravenous attack. Too, right? Yeah, Rav- well, all, all, I, when I say warriors, I mean all Tyranid, insert medium bug here in brackets, yeah, sure. must die. Yeah. This as iconoclast on a dude with knight diabolus is seven attacks before exploding eight, eight attacks eight attacks. I think it's eight. Yeah. Before you like do anything, so once you sweep and then you have exploding sixes. Um, I charged a rampager with that exact set of things into two full health ravener squads and killed both at the same time. That's yes. two twenty wound units. Just yes. flatlined them both. Um, hitting, on, hitting on twos, winning on twos, exploding sixes, no saves. See you later, boys. Yeah, That's goodbye. ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's so good. So yeah, this relic is this is my favorite of them. Uh, this is very similar to the Freeblade Lance version, but you don't have to take an army right now to get it. You just have this. Spot on. All right, you up next. Rune of Noctgra. So this is a Dreadblade model only. When you select this relic, select a fell bomb that no model from your army has. This relic, the bearer gains this fell bomb in addition to any other fell bomb it has. So it lets a Dreadblade take two fell bombs, which is super strong. Unpack that. Is there any spicy combo that goes with? Yeah. So there's. Um, so what I was doing for a little bit there is I was taking a Shooty Tyrant and I was taking both uh, Loping Predators and Prideful Wrath. So you would have a Castellan equivalent that could advance and shoot and count it as oh. twice as many wounds remaining. Oh. Yeah. yeah. 
Or you, you could do things like take the uh, the one that you liked a whole bunch, the Precision Cruelty, where on a six to mm-hmm. wound you get plus one AP and plus one damage. Yeah, boy. And you can take that on like a double Gatling dude that like oh. ignores cover, and oh. then it's like, whoo! <laughs> oh, you're singing my you're singing my praises. That's that's so good. Because yeah, if you yeah. if you gave ignores cover to the Gatling cannons, they feel so much better, so much better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, all right, Tyrant's Banner. Um, Abhorrent class model only. Add three to the range of the bearer's aura abilities to a maximum of 12. At the start of each of your command phases, if the bearer is on the battlefield, roll 1d6. On a 5+, plus, you get a command point. Uh, the limit of ga- gaining or refunding one command point per battle round does not apply if command points are gained via this relic. I like that it makes that distinction. I s- yeah. But it's kind of weird. It's called the Tyrant's Banner, um, and you don't take it on a Knight Tyrant class. Do you? you literally can't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's funny. It's just like the Tyrant's like, yeah, you boy, hold my banner. Yeah, you hold this class. instead of me, I guess. <laughs> uh, I don't hate it. I don't think it makes the cut, though, right? No. There's definitely other better. I mean, we've said three relics already that I would take over it, or four, exactly. even on this yeah. page. <laughs> uh, yeah. The Helm of Warp Sight is my favorite so far, just because. Yeah, but- you need it. The ignoring modifiers like that and mm-hmm. cover goes such a long way towards making night shooting platforms real. Well, it's the thing. It's the thing. It doesn't feel like this version of Knights has. Like, I, I don't, I'm not sure the the Imperial Knight side needs it as much, but to have one good shooting, one like premium shooting asset in Renegade Knights, I think is a game changer. Yeah, or you take a bunch of small ones, but we'll talk about that. Oh, later. that's exactly right. Yeah. All right. Um, the next one is Bound Viridian Psychogeist. Uh, this is the Aberrant class or Wardog class model only. Each time the bearer makes an attack, yeah, makes an attack on an unmodified win roll of six, improve the, improve the AP by two. Ooh. And then each time the bearer is selected to shoot or fight, you can reroll one damage roll when resolving that model's attacks. It's okay. I mean, that double Gatling boy you just talked about, 24 oh, shots, yeah. six is a rent four, doesn't need no cover anymore. Sixes would be rent five if you took this and that. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's, which yeah. is kind of hilarious, actually. And I didn't even consider that. That is mm-hmm. very funny. That is very funny. <laughs> um, all right. Trader's Mark is up next. The bearer has the following ability. Trader's Mark dreaded in brackets. Whilst an enemy unit is within dread range of the bearer, your opponent cannot select that unit to use the insane bravery stratagem on, nor can they use any rule that would let them re-roll a morale test. Once per battle, at the start of any battle round after the first, after you have selected a Harbinger ability to be active for your army, if any, you can select one other Harbinger ability uh, for that battle round, regardless of which Harbinger ability was selected the previous battle round. The selected Harbinger ability is active for the bearer and not for the rest of the battle. This does not affect which Harbinger ability can be selected next battle round. Um, there was a lot of T's and C's in that, but you want to break it down for us, mate? Yeah, so basically what this lets you do is pick up another Harbinger ability on the mm-hmm. tree as you're going through it. So what you can do is, like, this guy is an example in round four, can be minus one to hit melee and turn off a bunch of people's obsec, or like be minus one to hit melee and be minus two leadership in an aura. Um, the f- specific flexibility of this depends a lot on like what you're trying to do, but this very specifically, again, this is a nut, this is the relic that goes on that abominant that's doing the dread nonsense, um, and breaking people's morale and doing all that stuff. And he just, again, it's another step of that, like, this makes it really difficult to deal with your opponent, just like is rolling dice and hoping for the best, which like a bunch of players can't handle happening to them. They have like mm. these really specific game plans and you're just like, here's a bunch of mor- mortals. And then here's a bunch <laughs> of morale tests. You can't use anything to stop it. Here you go. I do love the idea of um, a, a, like a sneaky, like dark horse chaos, nice player rocking up to an event and just acting all unga bunga whilst having like 
a crazy good game plan that just disrupts the crap out of their opponent whilst looking like they're just throwing it against the wall. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. something I want to throw a quick shout out on. I'm literally doing a straw poll right now to vote, to let people vote on what army I play for the best in tabletop open and for charity hammer. It's chaos chaos is currently winning. It, I voted it's currently for chaos winning. And, and it should be, it, well, what show are you on right now, mate? You're not on the, the not chaos Knights review, are you? That's true. That's true. Right. <laughs> it's winning by a pretty considerable margin, so that will likely win. That might be me at the Best in Tabletop Open. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. All right, next one's yours. Next one, we have the Gauntlet of Ascension, which is the coolest name for the most crowd-goes-mild relic. Hell yeah. This is, each time an attack is made with this weapon, uh, select one of the profiles below. When you make an attack with this weapon, you can re-roll the hit roll, which is pretty good. Cool. Each time an enemy character is destroyed by a, a model, by an attack made with this weapon... Until the end of the battle, add one to the strength and attacks characteristics of the bearer. Uh, literally everything in the next part is the same as the regular warp strike. A regular wall. one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All it would need would be one more AP on the sweep profile, and this yep. would be hot. Yep. This would be immediately great. Mm-hmm. I, I feel uh, the same way about Orphis. Like, yeah, one more AP yeah. on them, and they'd be amazing. You already got. You've already got a, th- a third less attacks. Why you also have like. Only two-thirds of the rent, anyway. Yeah. As Iconoclast, you get an extra point of AP here, so it's not yeah. as painful, right? It's AP 4, then 3. Um, yeah. But, like, nah. If it was AP 5, then 4, we'd be really talking about something. Instead, we're kind of... Uh, it'd be amazing. Okay. It'd be amazing. All right, next up is the Twisted Mask. A psycho model only. Uh, this is the one where I was foreboding, sorry, uh, you know, telling you about before, where you can get an extra power yep. from the Warp Storm Discipline and plus one to psychic tests. If you are all in on that, this is my abominant, these are my six plus three no pain war dogs, you pretty much have to take this. Yeah, you have to take this and some faith. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some faith in whatever you believe in. You're already yeah. you're already pretty messed up. <laughs> yeah, you're playing Chaos Knights. It's you're playing Chaos Knights, you know. You're into some weird stuff. That's true. Can confirm. Um, so the next up is the Panoply of the Cursed Knights. This is for Aberrants or Wardog class models. Just gives you a two-up save. Sick. Real real simple, still pretty good. Not quite as good as it is in Imperials because you don't have the plus one armor save strat. Is it weird that I kind of like this on a Carnival? You can do this and then like the weird Nurgle upgrade where you get plus yeah. one save against damage one. That's like kind of gaming with like this little dude that's like way tankier than he has any right to be. That um, guy is like an orc's worst nightmare. Like just yeah, he makes orcs super sad. Oh, That's true. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It's pretty good. The next right. one is the alternative to the traitor's mark on that combo that I was talking about earlier. By the way, oh, do you take it away then. You go for it, mate. So this is the Soul Raptor Swarm. This is a Terror Shades model only. Each time the bearer would lose a wound as a result of a mortal wound outside of Demonic Surge, roll one d six on a four up. That wound is not lost, so you just get a, you get Emperor's chosen. You just mm-hmm. four up feeling mm-hmm. the pain against mortal wounds. And then the bear has the following ability. Soul Raptor, dreaded. While an enemy unit is within dread range of the bear, each time a model flees from that unit, that bear, the bearer of this relic regains one lost wound up to a Oof. maximum of three per phase. That's pretty funny. Yeah. it it Like on an abominant specifically, it gets pretty nightmare fuel pretty quick because mm-hmm. that guy is like blessing of the dark master as well. So like you can never reroll against him. He has a five up feel no pain. He's probably trans hitman. He has an well, invuln. A bunch of stuff is fleeing. And now he's healing. Ugh. Well, he can heal in two phases now as well because you can you got the strat to heal from um um melee up to six in the fight if you phase. Infernal, yeah. Infernal, yeah, yeah. You can heal up to six then, and you can heal up to three from this. Getting nine back a turn. You just don't shoot that guy. You're just like, oh well, that guy gets to live for six turns. I've got better things yeah. to do. Five turns, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I've got better things to be, do. Yeah, that guy's gonna be annoying uh, shit for five turns, and that's just the life I live now. Yeah. 
uh, we're moving on. We're going. We're going after things that actually can die. Um, Helm yep. of Dogs is up next. I see this on most lists. Oof. So, oh, this um, one is. Oof. Well, we talked about we talked about the bastard's helm being phenomenal. I feel like this is the equivalent war dog class model only. Add one to the attacks characteristic of the bearer, and the bearer has the following ability: helm of dogs aura. Well, the friendly war dogs class model was in six of the bearer. Each time that uh, model makes an attack, reroll a wound roll of one. Yeah, you are taking that. That is really good, dude. Casual lieutenant aura off a war dog for mm-hmm. other war dogs that works on him, and it gives him an extra attack. Yeah, Woo! you'd have to pay me not to take this. This is so good. Dude, ah oh man, um, there's like six of these I want, <laughs> relic-wise. Yeah, it's, yeah, if they would let me just keep hitting the button on the relic strat, I would probably take a bunch of them. Well, I always thought it would be a cool thing. This is before um any of this, and I was thinking about how to make knights spicy. Like, you give them the choice to not take warlord traits, and it, or, or you can take double warlord traits on units, or no warlord traits and double relics. So you can just kind of... Oh yeah. Un- unlock the unlock that double down in a new kind of way. Um or you can pay like we used to and just like pay one CP to give them one wall of trait, two CP to give this model two. Has to be a Questorus or, you know, Dominus class yeah, or whatever yeah, they are. One. Um but you know, that kind of stuff could could really be spicy to give the same units uh double relics and stuff. And it would also make knights feel a little bit more bespoke and honestly would give renegades a lot more reason to take big boys, because as I see right now, like three of the best ones here just go on war dogs. Oh yeah, yeah. You're definitely there's really specific matchups where the big boys are super good, and I still think in the best version of Chaos Knights you take at least one big guy. But I totally get the argument for just taking like thirteen or fourteen small ones. Yeah, totally agree. All right, onto chapter approved rules. Onto the secondaries. The first of these are in the purge the enemy category, and it's called a fitting challenge. If you select a subjective, then before the battle, after you have selected deployment zones, you must identify which three units from your opponent's army have the highest points value and make a note of them. If two or more units are tied, your opponent can choose between them. I hate that your opponent gets to choose between them. If your opponent's army has three or fewer units, then all these units must be selected, blah, blah, blah. I guess points cost includes all war gear, such and such, and crap and crap. Uh, <laughs> or uh, or if, the, uh, if those separate units... If, sorry, if the unit splits into several small units, all those separate units must be destroyed for the purposes of scoring this objective. At the end of each battle round, you score a number of 50 points for each identified unit that was destroyed during the battle by a Chaos Knights unit from your army to a maximum of 6 victory points per battle round. The number of victory points scored depends on the battle round during which each unit was destroyed, as shown below. Battle round 1, 6 points. Battle round 2 is 5 points. Battle round 3 is 4 points. Battle round 4 is 3 points. Battle round 5 is 2 points. At the end of the battle, reduce the number of victory points you have earned from the secondary objective by one to a minimum of zero for each of the identified units that has not been destroyed. If a unit was destroyed but was then resurrected or otherwise returned to the battlefield and subsequently destroyed again, then for the purposes of the secondary, it was destroyed during the battle round in which it was last removed. Never take this in your wildest dreams in fantasy land. I don't care what was in... um, the cigarette or dari you had at halftime in the break or how much caffeine you've had. Forget this exists. It's a terrible idea. What if I told you I take this in like 40% of games I play with You're this book, absurd. Adam? You're absurd. You are absurd. Why would you do such a thing? This looks horrific on every level. This is reversed to the last, and I'm killing them. It's look so nuts, me. dude. Nuts. Look, look me in the eyes, Adam. No, no. Do look not Look down this. at your army and pick your three favorite units. Nah. I'm making them dead. No. Nah. Never, 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 never. The fact it goes, point. fact it goes reverse. Like you get less points as the turns go on as well. What the hell? Why isn't it this other way around? Like, oh, it definitely would be better if it uh, was. But, but 
sometimes people don't give up a kill secondary, and then you just take this. You're telling me if someone's got 30, uh, 30 root, like, Scarabook called Terminators, you're like, bang, a fitting challenge. Oh, dude, I windmill slam this against T-Suns. Really? I don't even look at oh, other options. Man. They've got, you know, tw- 20 swooping hawks in Baharoth. Bang, a fitting that challenge. That one you don't do. No that freaking way, man. That one's not worth it. It's insane. Like, yeah. it's... Oh. That's why I said 40%. 40%. So okay, trick- cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah. When I you don't said- think it's every game. I'm not crazy. I'm just a little <laughs> on him. Like, the... Like, <laughs> There are some armies, right, slower armies, where their game plan is like, I'm going to bully you out of the middle with these things, and those things are really expensive. In those matchups, the secondary is really good, because the goal with Chaos Knights, right, none of your secondaries is Chaos Knights are going to give you a billion points. Like, one or two of them are pretty good, but none of them are going to give you a ton. So if you get, like, eight on this, that's totally acceptable, because what that means is they didn't use their most expensive units all game which means that there's about to be a 20-point or worse primary differential. So you're okay with it. Okay, but so theoretically, let's say turn three, you kill one of their inverse to the last, yeah? Two of them survive. You just got two points on this objective because it's minus one for each one of the, uh, that are live at oh, the end yeah. of the game. If you only kill one, it's bad. You if, definitely if you kill, can't dude, do that. If you killed one on turn three and one on turn four, you get six points on this objective. Yep. It's not great all the time. No, it's not. Frequently, it's pretty good. I think okay. you'll be surprised about the like the. It's not about like the points that it generates. It's more about like the impact that it has. Does that make sense? Oh, uh, you're saying you're just using this as an absolute intimidation factor. Just being like, you know what? I'm yeah. gonna get them. I'm gonna get them. I don't care what they are, what they're doing. I'm gonna freaking get them. Um, yeah, and if they want to use them, because some armies like. Armies that aren't built around to the last are often built in the other direction, where like their most expensive units are really important for them to use a lot. That's true. That is true. So, And also, sometimes this builds you into that flip that we were talking about in the Imperial Knights Codex, where the other guy takes to the last, and you take something like this, and you're like, all right, bro, which one of us was right? Because that yes. person wins. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, don't listen to me, guys. Listen to the expert. Um, on paper, this looks horrifying. It's, well, it's, it's not but... good on paper. I totally get it. <laughs> It's much more impactful in the game than it seems like it would yeah. be. Yeah, I mean, if you can just, like, draw three big targets on your opponent's three best units and be like, are you going to yeah. risk using them and giving me a bunch of points? But the yeah. thing, like, okay, never mind. I could spend ten minutes, ten more minutes on this. I'm not going to bother. Yeah. Take it away, <laughs> mate. I'm going to brawl afterwards about this now. <laughs> uh, righty. So the next one is in No Mercy, No Respite, is Path of Destruction. This is score a victory point at the end of the battle round for each of the following conditions that were satisfied during the battle round to a maximum of three victory points. One or more units from your army, enemy army, that one or more enemy units were destroyed by a Chaos Knights model from your army while that model was wholly within your deployment zone. One or more enemy units were destroyed by a Chaos Knights model that was no that was more than three inches from either player's deployment zone. And one, one or more enemy units were destroyed by a Chaos Knights model from your army, while that Chaos Knights model was wholly within your opponent's deployment zone. This is another, like, chip scorer, where you're yeah. gonna, like, slowly get some points, and it's okay. This is fine in matchups where you're not gonna score grind. Uh, I yeah. probably should have taken this in the game I played tonight, as an example. Yep. This was... This secondary is not, like, whoa, auto 15. It's just, like, you'll get, like, 10. Well, yeah, this is a weird one. Like, I figure two points on this isn't that hard to do, right? Because you should no, be oper- you, sh- you should be operating in your deployment zone and the mid board every turn, 
or your, your the, the the mid board and your opponent's deployment zone every turn. Really hard to do all three. Doing all three means your army is unsupported. You're not supporting each other with units, and that one of the, you'll get it three points on one turn of the game, and then maybe never again. Um, but yeah, two points isn't unreasonable for this. Yeah, it's like a weird. It's a weird one. It's like it's like awkward grind that doesn't yeah. matter how much you die. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't hate it, but eh. It's, it's, it's not it's, bad. Again, it's yeah. very situational. You'll take this sometimes. All right, Battlefield Supremacy. This better be good because, like, Strangleholds are bread and butter. Um, ruthless t- Tyranny. If you select this objective, at the end of your turn, you score victory points as follows for a maximum of four points. Score two victory points if you control half or more of the total number of objective markers on the battlefield, and one or more Chaos Knights model from your army are within range of each of those objective markers. Score one victory point if half or more of the total number of objective markers on the battlefield are within dread range of one or more of your Chaos Knights models from your army. And score one victory point if every objective marker on the battlefield is within dread range of one or more Chaos Knights model from your army. Um, it's like... I, I can't get a beat on whether this is good or not. You tell me. It's like better strangle. The problem is it competes with strangle and there's no world where you're not just taking strangle. Mm. Cause like the points differential between this and strangle is like not going to be the same as what like a different categories nightmare fuel ends up being. Cats well, are not good at secondaries. Like let's just get this out of the way real quick. Like this is the worst part of the, book like not that these secondaries are bad just in general like chaos knights as an army are not very good at scoring secondaries they're I'm really happy, really good i'm happy you said primaries. it happy yeah. you said it because I, I was i wasn't prepared to yet till we got to the end um the problem with this one is there's three dot points of terms and conditions and stranglehold is the first dot point and gives you one more point than this one does this one yep. has scored two victory points if you stranglehold you can just t- take stranglehold and get one more point and don't have to worry about the other two. Like, your just life became easier. Um, this is the issue with Strangle... I, I feel like Strangle... Like, how, how much crazy would the game be if they just deleted Stranglehold? Like, uh, yeah, just... like, the game gets a lot harder. Oh, In fairness, would... though, that second dot point is, like, way easier than Stranglehold and is it basically is. a free point. It is. It is. Yeah. Um, um, I don't hate this, yeah, though. Again, like, I don't hate this at all. If you're pl- the differential, I think. Yeah. Um, I don't know how well Dread Range works and how well you're it's able to get... inches from every model in your army, so okay. it's, like, pretty easy. But, like, the the thing... No, the I, thing I, meant, I, meant, I meant mechanically, how often your army's going to be dynamic enough to have them all locked down for multiple turns of the game, for every objective. It gets awkward in endgame, for sure. Yeah. Because you definitely don't have a ton of models left. Unless you're, like, steamrolling, at which point Stranglehold was better anyway. Yeah, Stranglehold yeah, is, yeah. like, 9 if you're awake, 12 if the game was <laughs> close, and 15 if you won. Like, yes. that's pretty much yeah. Stranglehold and Chaos Knights in a nutshell. It's, like, the only mm. secondary that they can take every single game and not even look at the mission. Yeah. Uh, spot on so this becomes real awkward because it doesn't because it competes so heavily with that all right on to the last one brother all right the savior of the secondary section here adam you ready oh really it's not a fitting challenge no the fitting challenge is good don't <laughs> don't sleep on it oh uh, you're being facetious sorry so was i I'm yeah. but, but this one <laughs> this one is actually better uh, this one's actually good. I think most people will take this. Um, so it's if this is a shadow operations secondary. Yay! This is if you select this objective, then Chaos Knights units from your army can attempt the following action: Storm of Darkness. One Chaos Knights unit from your army can attempt to perform this action at the end of the morale phase if it is in range of an objective marker that has not already been cursed by your army. The unit cannot start this action while there are any enemy units, excluding aircraft, in range of the same objective marker. The action is completed at the end of your next psychic phase, provided the unit performing is still in range of the same objective marker. If completed, that objective marker is now cursed by your army till the end of the battle, 
while a non-chaos unit is within six of that objective marker, subtract one from their leadership characteristic. Additionally, and more importantly, you score three victory points every for every objective that you corrupt. So action this is completed at, at the end of the morale phase. It doesn't say your morale phase. So you, now you, get you, that. you do it in their morale phase, and you just go straight into your psychic phase and get three points. Yeah, I, you can ooh, do it in uh, your yeah. morale phase and their morale phase, yeah. and at the end of your psychic phase, pick up six points. Yeah, this is good, man. There are, uh, on six objective missions, this is just going in your, your lineup of second. It's super, it's super easy to score this one. Yeah, um, man. And that, that like minus one leadership would be a meme like 90% of the time, but with dread tests, it's actually pretty cute. Yeah, it's actually cute. Um, I like this one a lot. Oh, this this is good. This, this uh, see the reason I like. So when I look at a secondary guys, and the reason I'll say some secondaries are bad, some secondaries is good, is not because I look at the scoring potential. I look at how high the floor is. Like what right. you know, if I just bumble my way through a through a game, will I get to like six to eight points out of it? If I do, oh. it's a great secondary. It's it's good, and I kind of hope that every book has one like that. That is what this one is. This is a. Five objective mission. If I'm half asleep, I'll get six points. Um, yeah, you can you know? basically forget you took this till turn four and still get like six to nine. Yeah, this is a great secondary. I think it's really good. Yeah, that's what I was saying. This one's really good. The other one has like very niche uses that you'll use sometimes, but like the middle two are actually the problem children. Yeah. Um, just, yeah, they're just weird. Um, I am coming around a little bit on fitting challenge. I think you have some, you make yeah. some good points there, sir. If you're gonna, if you're gonna put put the boots into them, if you're gonna want to put the fear of God or the dread of chaos into them, whatever this is, yeah, there you um, go. it's a big call to just be like, you know what, you know your three your three best things. Don't use them or they're dead. Just straight up, yep. don't use them or they're dead. Um, yeah, that's a big call. It is again, like the whole book, right? Over and over, I keep saying this. It's disrupting yeah. to their game plan. If someone has this thing where they're like, this is my ten man unit of paladins, and every game I get to use it, and you're like, nice. If it ever comes out, I'm gonna kill it, and then when it yeah. dies, I get five victory points. Yeah, they're like. <laughs> Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on. These are into the data sheet abilities. Goes into tell you how the dread hostiles work. They're all pretty much the same as over the stuff. Ion shields are here. Super heavy walkers, war dog squadrons, dread tests. Uh, some rules in this book will require you need to make a dread test each time. A rule requires a unit to do so. That unit's controlling player rolls two d six. If the result of the roll is greater than the highest leadership characteristic in that unit, the test is failed. Otherwise, it is passed. Um, so it's not has to, it has to be more than equal to is a pass a dread test is 2d6 and i roll in yep. a leadership and then dread abilities i'm gonna let you take everything from here brother all right give me one second because my i have we're, we're doing the the read off the phone and my phone is being stupid do, 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 do. we'll have shamus right. that <laughs> what yeah <laughs> we'll have shamus edit that out <laughs> yeah i yeah, yeah let's do in the thing i left my codex in my car because i literally just played with it um do, 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 dreaded abilities all right so uh, dreaded abilities affect units. That's where you're at, right? Dreaded abilities affect units within yep. dread range. Dread range is 12 inches at the start of the battle. Dreaded abilities are unaffected by any rules that affect aura abilities and vice versa. Big distinction, um, which goes straight into Harbingers of Dread, uh, which has a lot of the interactions to do with dread abilities. Yeah, this is, I'm going to like this specific table does not translate well to only audio content. Like, visually yes. try and look at this if you're listening if you're only listening to us try to find a way to look at this where this is going to be like infinitely more confusing than it actually is in how you use it yes this is on page 98 for those following along at home and this is a table of progress of which you can bounce bounce to so you start in doom right and then you could bounce to despair back to doom then to darkness back to doom like that yeah so yeah you're always traversing down the page right you're going from turn one 
to turn two, to turn three, to turn four, to turn five. This is essentially like a power from pain style mechanic where they're stacking, so all the buffs yep. can they persist. But you're picking from which side of the table you get. The only thing is you can't go from darkness into despair. So the order Correct. of things from left to right are despair, doom, and darkness. If you want, you can go from despair to doom, or from doom to darkness, or from darkness to doom, but you cannot go from darkness to despair. Okay, so let me just break this down for you guys. Um, so there's three columns here, um, despair, doom, and darkness. And then there's one, two, there's five, five rows across, essentially denoting which turn any of these can be active. Turn one, you must pretty much be in doom, and what you get here is thus. Whilst an enemy unit is within dread range of this model, subtract one from their leadership characteristic of models in that unit, and each time a combat attrition test is taken for an enemy unit, subtract one. And then on turn two, you can choose to move from that one. Uh, so you choose to stay in Doom and get add three to the model's uh, dread range, or you can choose to go to Despair and get this. Anthony? So in Despair, you pick up Creeping Dismay, which is... While an enemy unit is within dread range of this model, if the enemy unit has any aura abilities, subtract three inches from the range of those abilities. And if this unit has any abilities that are used in the command phase, subtract three inches from the range of those abilities. Exactly right. And you will get that um, in addition to the Doom, or do you give the Doom up to get that? So you would, at home. You, you would get the top line. You would get the minus yep. one leadership stuff still. That persists yep. into round two. You would lose Encroaching Dark Doom instead. Exactly right. Or you can go the other way and go from that, what you start in for Doom, into Geist Storm. So, Which yeah, is the, so best the best what the best way of thinking about this is like what you said it is a um choose your own adventure power from pain table yep. so exactly. you start off you start off with that and then you can choose which way you want to work your way through your air quotes power from pain table guy storm is the other one though uh whilst an enemy it was in dread range of this model each time that unit is selected to shoot with and each time that unit uh, wishes to declare a charge it must first take a dread test if the test is passed it can select targets for its shooting attacks or declare a charges as normally otherwise until the end of the phase models in that unit cannot make ranged attacks unless they target the closest eligible target or the closest eligible chaos knight unit if the enemy declares a charge I guess an enemy, any chaos knight unit. Uh, sorry, any chaos knight units. The charging rolls for it are halved. This is the bee's knees. Yeah, that one is really gross because the dread test happens after target selection. You don't get to mm -hmm. reallocate, so you can be like, "I'll make that seven-inch charge," and then fail your dread test and literally be unable to make that charge. Can you roll a fourteen uh, on those two d six, bruh? Don't think you can. Yeah, don't think so. Um, so yeah, that is real problematic when that happens yes uh man it's um it's a it's, it's probably the best thing yeah because the the next bit the only other one that i think is better than that is in the last line and it may not matter once you get to it but um yeah tell us where well so next time you can choose to stay in darkness and get fall of darkness each time a range attack is made against this model uh the attacker if the attacker is more than 12 away subtract one from the hit roll minus one to hit army wide is pretty nice especially if you've gone in done a bunch of damage and you're just trying to get out of get out of dodge before like you know or the sangard rock up or or something yeah, of that people nature are trying to, like scatter away from you right usually yeah. what happens is on turn three you've like connected you're in their deployment so now and they want to get away mm -hmm. and then they're minus one to hit on the reprisal what's the uh right. what's what's the doom the doom for this one is mortal terror 
While an enemy unit is within dread range of this model, each time that unit fails morale, one additional model flees before combat attrition are taken. If the result of the morale test is at least twice the leadership characteristic, D3 models, uh, sorry, D3 additional models flee. So wow. yeah, this one can get very out of hand. And that's the one you say you wanted to combo with uh, the, the psychic power that sprinkles all the models and then forces the bad model, um, leadership tests. Yeah, this is one of the ones you can take. The next line, the turn four of Doom is actually what makes that whole combo just awful to Come deal together. with. But yes, yep. this is one of them. All right, the despair option for your turn three is Empiric Fugue. Um, whilst an enemy is within dread range of this model, each time that enemy unit wishes to start performing an action, it must first pass a dread test if that test is failed it cannot perform that action that's a big deal at the start of the morale phase if that enemy unit is currently performing an action it must take a dread test if that test is failed the action is currently performed so the action that is currently being performed immediately fails so like screening out your backfield from for r&d became just infinitely easier because you can just be three three inches further away yeah this one's super obnoxious because like they can pass the dread test to start the action and then if they didn't kill the knight that made them take it in the first place they have to pass it again Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Um, all right, take away the next one. Uh, Paralyzing Insanity is uh, the one in Despair. Whilst an enemy unit is in dread range of this model, that unit has the objective secured ability. It loses that ability. That is crazy strong. Yeah, 12-inch obsec strip from every model in your entire army is pretty good as it turns out. Well, it's it's units as well. It's not model by model. So literally just get the, the tiniest bit of a base within 12 of you, and then the whole unit you lose is obsec. Yeah, oh, that's crazy. Real good. Really good. Really, really powerful. The next one is the Wailing Geists. While an enemy unit is within dread range of this model, subtract two from leadership characteristics in that unit. You'll note the stacks with the subtract one all the way back mm -hmm. in the first line, making everything near you minus three leadership. Yep. Uh, the casual leadership eight custodies model is pretty rough. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, this is really good. This is fan-freaking-tastic. You can just, like, this is what we were talking about, when you can just walk past an army and shut it down. Just deal just deal some sprinkle models, and then just shut it down. Oh, you want to yeah, declare a charge? Run away. Yeah, you, uh, yeah, yeah, everyone's running away. Oh, you want to shoot? Dread test. You want to charge? Dread test. Minus two. Suck it. It's, it is rough. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I know we were talking about the, uh, the clock a little bit earlier. Like, the dread test would be taken on their clock. That can get very, like, disruptive to their time total. Well, you can really frazzle people, man, because they, they chain, they are, oh, you, you, and we don't want to say this is, you know, weaponizing the clock. It's just a, a it's no, just, it's a just game. how the game works, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just a construct of the, the game that we play. Um, and if you are playing with a clock, uh, prepare to be frazzled. Like, oh, you wanted to declare a charge and do a shooting phase. You had it lined up to do it. Be prepared to be, like, have a secondary option or be okay shooting the closest time at all times which is right. what i'm planning and to do like, yeah like the physical rolling of that many dread tests takes like a bunch of extra time in a game yeah. like every time you go to do literally anything it's like leadership test leadership mm -hmm. test and like most people don't know their leadership of their units offhand is the thing i've noticed yeah that's uh, so true there's a lot of like go check your book what is that thing's leadership yeah i don't know it's like nine or eight or seven or yeah 12, maybe go check <laughs> Um, next one in last one in uh, turn four is the veil of shadows which makes you just army wide minus one to be hit in melee which is yep. real good real good real good turn four you're going to be stuck in or you're going to have only a couple of things left and need those things to make it another turn or two this is just good. I don't yeah, see the preservation I don't, of those assets when you don't have a melee involved is a big deal. I mean, losing obsec, it's hard to think this is better than taking obsec away from them, though. Like, I've noticed that in most games by turn four, most of their obsec is gone. So true. 
It's true. Uh, yeah. It depends. Yeah. Um, Horror of the Warp is the last one. So you must finish turn five in Doom because there's no other bonuses. Uh, whilst yep. an enemy was in dread range of this model, each time a combat attrition test is taken for that unit, subtract one and on un- unmodified roll of one, two, sorry, of one, two models flee instead of one. Yeah, it's cute. It's turn five. Eh, my matter. This one is because you're at a total of minus three to combat attrition at this point. Yep. Um, or minus two on top of the fact they already fell on a one. If a unit's below half strength on a four up, mm-hmm. or sorry, a four under, I guess would be the way to put that, they fail, which is the equivalent of a three up. Like, it's rough. <laughs> it is rough, man. So to encapsulate this thing, it is a, it essentially is a tree. You start in Doom, and then you work your way down. You can always be in Doom. You can just go straight from Doom to end in Doom, and you can move to the left or to the right, and you can only ever move one space over, depending on which way you go. You can never jump from the left column to the right column at any time. Um, yep. Is this a good mechanic? And how does this uh, how does this sidle up next to the um, the honor mechanic, the O's mechanic for Imperial Knights? When I first read the book, I thought this wasn't super strong, but after playing a couple games, the level of disruption that this ends up throwing into your opponent's game plan is actually yep. really wild. Um, it's really good. I would recommend when you're new, like don't try and like get super crazy with this. There's like a pretty built path which i'll go over mm-hmm. now that is just like consistently good in almost every yes, game that's if, you start in, if you start in doom and then just ride darkness to turn five and then obviously flip back to doom then uh, you're just fine that will give you like a broadly acceptable set of debuffs mm-hmm. um, without like too much shenanigans and then you can take things like trader mark or use the strat to pick up like the obsec strip and stuff like that as needed. But yep. for the most part, that like straight line thing will work in most games. Obviously, if you're playing against like a gun line and you don't need the minus one to hit melee, and then you can jump back to Doom a turn earlier. But like in general, that pathing works really well in most games. I'm just gonna say it. This is way better than Imperial Knights one for one specific reason. There is zero downsides. There is no way yeah, for this to punish don't you. Have to, yeah. There is no way for this to be bad for your army. You're only getting buffs. You're only working your way through a choose your own adventure level of buffs. The Imperial Knights one, ah, oh, cool. I didn't heroic in- intervention into sure death. I get punished. Um, yep. That that's that's rough. And I've always thought that about the Imperial Knights one. Um, I don't think the Imperial Knights buffs and well, the Imperial Knights buff themselves, and these are all about debuffing your opponent. Um, right. Yep. Which is another good. Uh, another the great little bit of um, interplay there that GW's built in. I do like this tree a lot more than than the Pure Knights one, though. This one on paper looks a lot weaker, but when again, when you start playing with it, is it it like I cannot explain like if if there's any choice in this tree that's locked in, it's Geist Storm. Geist Storm is yep. nuts. Yeah, like yep. that ability to be like have your charge roll. No, you can't shoot the thing you wanted oh, is so dude. annoying. It's turn two. They have to, your knights. You're in their face. They have to make plays in order to like maintain a board state. Oh, yep. cool. A third of their plays couldn't happen because they failed dread tests that's enough to yeah. win a game sometimes like that's yeah especially if you take a fitting challenge and force them into the middle yeah dude it's really good really good yeah. um like i so play, or I, have, I haven't played a single game with imperial knights yet i plan to and i actually play i'm actually planning for like for this year i'm playing nothing but dark angels um i plan mm-hmm. next year to be nothing but imperial knights like 2023 oh, I'm, just, I'm just gonna play knights all year um and i can see games where against really good opponents the oath table gets weaponized against me i cannot see any any just not have it just having a mono bonus with zero downsides yeah 
Fantastic. Yeah, cool. Great. Well, the the darkness table, the harbinger table, is super funny because if someone wants to play around it, it's like, yeah, you're gonna get outside of twelve of every unit oh, in my army. That's every, what we're doing. Yeah, you see the smallest base size in my army? It's freaking huge. Get yeah. out. Get out of it. Yeah, whole table quarters. Go away. Um, yeah. You know, this is what also doing, fine. Man? <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. Um, that brings us to the end of the review of the rules. Um, we're going to talk about data sheets now. Well, we're just going to pick our favorite data sheets of the codex and, and break them down for you guys. And then we're going to do some straight line comparisons of the designs and the power levels of specific things between the Renegades and the Imperium versions. Um, and we'll start with the data sheets. What's your favorite data sheet in this book, mate? Oh, man, it is uncontested. It I know is what it so is. easy. Yeah. It is the War Dog Carnivore. Who would have thought? Woo! That I shouldn't have even asked. Bananas! I, dude, when I first read this thing, I was stunned. I was like, surely this is a misprint. I must be misreading. This thing moves 14, naturally hits on twos, and has five attacks. Mm -hmm. I don't know if anyone remembers the armatures in the Imperial Knights book, but their weapon skill three, they move 12, and they have four attacks. It is like a completely different ball game with these boys. And, and they have two melee weapons. The one is just the same as the Imperial one. The other is like a Redemptor Fist stapled to a 14-inch move thing with a natural invuln. Woo, this thing is so good. And you can choose to not take the gun, and it's 10 points cheaper. It's 10 uh, the five uh, points cheaper, but yeah, it's yeah. 140. Oh, if they take the melter gun, yeah, it's it's 10 points cheaper. The carnivore is oh, yeah. the is the if nothing else was different between these two books, the carnivore tells you the difference between these two books. Oh uh, yeah. So so okay, it's 10 points cheaper, it's five points cheaper, yeah. Better ballistic skill. Uh is it better movement? Yeah, two two inches better movement. One oh, more faster, yeah. Yeah, one more attack. Um, and better combat? Like wow. Wow. Really good. The kind of uh, so I've seen people sending me people sending me lists now, Renegade Knights, that have like sometimes just all war dogs. And they only have like a couple of carnivores. And I'm like, dude, I'd just be just, just, how many carnivores can I take? I could take nine. Explain to me why I shouldn't take nine. Yeah, the uh the list that I had built out with some friends that was like all war dogs was six carnivores and eight stalkers. Yeah, I actually I, I like void weavers. I do not think nine is the right number. Please do not go ahead and buy nine yeah. carnivores. I do think three to six is where I what I like. Yeah. For what it's worth, I'm going to end up owning nine carnivores because that was I, the list I did play and it was real fun, but it's not the best. I'm surprised you do not already. Um, my <laughs> favorite um, is the best looking one in the book, which is the Rampager. The Rampager yep. looks sick, fights, oh. does smash, does good. It's, it's literally everything you want. Funnily enough, we, we chose the two melee options, the two straight up melee options. Um, <laughs> it isn't any better than the Gallant, to my estimation. You can do spicy. I believe you can make a Rampager that is better than a Gallant at doing what a Gallant and a Rampager does, but I can make a Gallant that is like, like a third harder to kill than a, a rampager so i think it evens out um yeah and you know they get the household bond but you get a four just a just a nine inch aura of reroll hit rolls of one but mind you if you're taking your war dog like um uh dog's helm whatever it is like you don't really need it because you're giving that off from a are you giving off uh, the they're different rerolls oh sorry yeah this is a hit roll they're the wound roll yeah they stack real nicely <laughs> they, actually they take both they, they stack really nicely <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you hit and wound most things on two. Like a carnivore in melee wounds most things on twos. So if she's just hit on twos, you're rolling ones on both sides. Exactly right. Yeah. So good. yeah, that boy. But that boy slams. Like I, I've got a gallant that I'm going to be building and painting, and I wish it looked. I wish it looked as cool as a rampager. Like just, just oh, like best chaos knights model. It's so good. Just plain Jane as 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 hell. Anyway, yeah. 
Um, some straight line comparison stuff. Data sheets wise, who do you think wins out in the comparison? I think Chaos Knights by like a landslide. I think it's the area that of the of the sets of things that's like the least competitive. Um, I, I totally agree. I agree. Chaos Knights are better in both like versatility and raw power. The thing we didn't even talk about, by the way, when we went over data sheets, is the Stalker, which is like also completely insane. Mm-hmm. Um, the ability to take an Avenger chain cannon, which is a twelve shot strength six neg two gun and yep. a slaughter claw in an iconoclast build. Woo! That's oh boy. well. See, that's the, that's the guy I want nine of. Like, I yeah, I think exactly. that is the right now. That is the best armiger in the game uh, of any any war dog oh, yeah. Don't care. That's the best one. It does everything. It's good at everything. Its gun is good into everything. Um, he might be the best non-transport vehicle right now. Uh, yeah. If you could give it an involved in combat, I'd agree with you. Um, yeah, that's if fair. I, if I had a five plus in combat, it hundred percent would be. Um, do you need an involved in combat when there's nine of them though? It's true. That's that's the difference. But if you wanted to go one for one, then no. But I yeah. guess that's fair. yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, taking nine of these bastards is, is a thing, man. But the, dude, I so all right, all right. People talk about how bad the um, the Avenger Gatling cannon is. Yeah, just to put it in perspective, how many? Could you get three stalkers for the same price as the warden? Almost, I think you're fifty points yeah. over. Yeah, no, I think that no, that it's actually cheaper for three stalkers. <laughs> Jeez, and you've got thirty six strength six minus two at the same thirty six inch range um, versus twelve strength six minus two two damage being the only difference. Oh yeah, those, I know uh, which one I'd rather. I know which one I'd rather. You know, <laughs> those three stalkers also destroy you in melee. Like, yes, it's not pretty. <laughs> No. If they get to hit a big target. Yeah, the fact that they've just got four, uh, sorry, five Wardog variants versus, yeah. I mean, not even taking into account Moiraxes, you know, um, versus um, Imperial Knights only having the two, just it's they just huge. win. They just win that comparison, man. And hands down, no, yep. no issues. Um, I think we're. I th- I'm already agreeing that I think the Harbingers Harbingers. Uh, is better is the better monofaction bonus. I think it's just better. Um, I think it's better, but I think the ceiling on the Imperial Knights one is, is probably is a little higher. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I the, agree you with can that. do more like outright broken nonsense with the Imperial book, and that's how I. I mean, that kind of like sums up how I feel about the two books in general. Um, but yeah, yeah. I think Imperial Knights definitely win the secondaries. Like, yeah, definitely. that part's not close. No, the not Imperial even close. Knights secondaries are much better than the Chaos Knight ones. Yeah, if the uh, Chaos Knights like no mercy, no respite secondary was like get three points when you move through the dread table or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe they'd have an equivalent well, one there. But that's an interesting thing. They didn't really give you. Neither of them have any secondaries that interact with their own rules. They're all just like do not do stuff that knights would do, and maybe the, get, uh, maybe get some points. Imperials, the, the Honor of the Household, I think it's called, is uh, like you get three points oh, basically at the end of your turn right. if you're more Honor points. Yeah. That one's so dumb. Who cares? We, we glossed right <laughs> over that because their Shadow <laughs> Operations one was really good, but that one's like 13 for being at the table. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, who do you think's got the better relics? So this is not fair, right? Because the Imperial Knights have the Lance, and in the Lance, you can put two relics on one dude, Mm -hmm. which makes a bunch of the relics that would otherwise be really situational very powerful. Very powerful, Um, yeah. But but if you just ignore that, and if you just pretend (laughs) that doesn't happen, if you just straight up compare like relic to relic, right? Or if you like had the ability to put two relics on something in Chaos, I think Chaos broadly has better relics. With the exception of the the, four, the the lack of involve, I would agree. Yeah, I wish Sanctuary was a Chaos Relic too. I don't mm-hmm. know how it isn't, but... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if anything yeah. makes me think... I mean, so that one is the thing that makes me think Imperial Knights 
are better because you're only going to get to take three of them. And of the three that you take, none of them is as good as that four plus in Von Relic. I think that there's a real argument for Traitor's Mark. Um, and like, so those, the Imperial Knights relics are better in a vacuum, right? For sure. Yep. They do less build enabling stuff than some of the Chaos Knights relics do in Chaos, right? Like That's you can't fair. like you can't super make like a really crazy like honor driven build using relics in ca- in imperials. You could, no, you but can't. it's like kind of a joke, and there's yeah. like no reason to because you can get honor so quickly in chaos. When you start like really stacking all the dread abilities, it's it takes it does this weird thing where it takes what I perceive to be a weak data sheet in the abominant, and all of a sudden you have like this nightmare fuel nonsense monster <laughs> that like breaks down MSU armies that would otherwise be a really difficult matchup for you, and that's yeah. a legitimately valuable tool. Absolutely. So that moves us on to the Warpstorm discipline for that abominant. Um, so this would be the comparison uh, between this and the preceptors table for the the canicles, and I think the preceptors table wins because you have the same power essentially, but yours goes off on a three plus or a two plus can't be denied for the preceptor to give the bubble of feel no pain whereas the warp storm discipline you gotta roll a six it can't be denied you can fail it and it could just not give it in an aura you also lose abhor the witch the warp storm yeah. discipline is so much worse than the preceptor table that agreed. i can't think about it too much or i'll get upset agreed <laughs> agreed i mean the action and do a and still shoot is just premium as well Dude, uh, exploding sixes in an aura what is that one yeah. <laughs> that was a good idea. <laughs> you thought that was okay um wall of traits yeah. comparison um the this is pretty close I think it is real. I, I don't think I can call this one. I think it's kind of they're both kind I think of it's basically eh. even. Yeah. yeah, they're both kind of eh without having any super standouts. Diabolus is really good for chaos. The plus one attack real wants yeah, to hit. That's true. Um, but yeah, like you'll take that most of the time. But this is like very strong. Like you have to pick a warlord trait, so like mm-hmm. you'll take the one that's the best. Uh, none of them are like super crazy though. I don't think on. And again, that's on either side. Yeah, agreed. All right, so we have now. This is going to be the interesting discussion we have the favor of the dark gods table versus uh the exalted court table so this is the purchasable upgrades um i don't want to be the first one to say it (laughs) all right so let's see if we land in the same spot this is a really unfair comparison because bondsman abilities are a lot stronger than any of the buffs that chaos exactly dude by dint of that exalted court is like hilariously stronger than favorite abilities agreed if every one of these favorite abilities also gave you another freaking aura or something sure this would be a fair comparison but it's not the exalted court hands down better yeah if when you took a favorite ability you could apply it to an armiger and when you got favored it did too sure sure that's not how it works or when when you get favored and Armaga gets the the step down, gets the other one. Yeah, that'd be cool. That would be actually that would actually be cool. You get powerful enough to just dispose a blessing, and they get the, the yeah. lesser blessing. That would be spicy as hell. Um, yep, who's that's go- not how it works. So exalted <laughs> court's way better. It's a, no, it's not. Exalted court craps all over it. Unfortunately, um, yep. strats. This is hard to encapsulate oh. because there are four pages. There are so many, and no, don't don't bother about the free blade lance. It's too hard to quantify. Yeah. So even without the free blade lance, I feel like Imperial Knights actually just dumpster chaos in this regard. Agreed. Uh, I don't think they've got anything. That, sorry. Like, sorry. The problem with this isn't that Imperial Knights do this; it's that specifically Questor Mechanicus exactly. is just like so much better than like you could have every chaos mark, like full access to all the strats, and you still, still would not be as good as Questor Mechanicus is. Mm-hmm. Agreed, man. Um, 
the mortal wound spike on sixes, the operating at full, the the five up against models. It's just that that, it's that, tri- uh, that trifecta is too much. It's way too much. Like, yeah. It shouldn't be that way. It should not all be so heavily weighted that way. I went through the Imperial Knights book the other day and looked at all the um, Imperial and Questor Imperialis side, and I'm like, this suck. <laughs> I I would drop happily drop all of these just for the operator top bracket, like. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I would drop all of those to not even take it from Mechanicus, just to make it house agnostic. Yes, hundred oh, um, percent. All right, and then we have all the households and all that stuff. I'm not sure if this is going to be doable because it's so different. Like the iconoclast households are, are none of the actual households are good. They're actually all kind of very ordinary. Yeah. But they, okay. they've got they have the best build your owns. Um, yeah. By far. I think there's a, like, not I think there's a way to do this. So the way I would rank like this across the board is that I think the strongest build of all, like across both books, for me as a player right now, is a custom iconoclast household. Right? That's like the strongest. Right. That's, that's so you're top. saying that one build is stronger than anything Imperial Knights can do? I think so. For me as a player. Yeah. Obviously, teach their own. Um, but from there, I feel like if you look at the book from like a raw power perspective, from there, you go into the Quester Mechanicus households that are not built your own. Like if you just take one of yeah. the, like, as they are written Quester Mechanicus households. See, I actually mm-hmm. agree for how Renegade Knights play the build your own Iconoclast stuff is just ridiculously potent. Um, Dude, it's it, so good. It's I wish nuts. you could take two, but you know, yeah. uh, um, like even just the one is super good. Yeah. So I, I actually agree. I think that first place probably goes to a build your own iconoclast, but then the next of the top five is pretty much quest on mechanicus. Oh yeah. Like number one is custom iconoclast and then like two, three, four and five are all mechanicus. Yeah. Well, it's what it's Raven or Tyrannus. And then whichever one you don't pick of Raven and Tyrannus. And, the, um, and then, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, you end up doing like a bunch of that. And then from there it's weird. Like the infernal households are really good, even if infernal is weaker. I um, the more I look at it, the more Corvax just seems like it's the goods. That strat is freaking gas, man. Yeah, that the strat and Corvax is really good. Also, if you take a bunch of excuse me, specifically brigands, um, Vectrix starts to shine. Though yep. this is gonna be real nerdy. In the I read the a bunch of the lore today. Vextrix is the only household that I think is super lame. Those guys <laughs> left the Corpse Emperor to just worship different Titans. What a bunch of losers. <laughs> anyway. Uh, what do you mean by Titans? As in, like, you know, Warhounds and Warlord Titans and stuff like that? Yeah, Warlord Titans. What are you doing? <laughs> you just left the Serp. What are you? You're supposed to be about your individual strength. And you're like, no, those guys. What the? What a waste. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. The. There's like a there's builds there and Corvax is really strong. There's a bunch of like different infernal stuff that can be really good, but they're mm-hmm. obviously hamstrung by the fact that their base trait is so much weaker. Mm. Um, so they end up in like basically a very similar power level to a bunch of the Imperialis households for the same reason, where their house bonds are really good, but the Imperialis base stuff and their stratagem access is not great. And then somewhere like way at the bottom is like whatever they decided to put in this book is like the base iconoclast households. I don't know what happened there. Like there was like some type of miscommunication or something maybe that day at GW, but those guys are just all like different off brands of not very good. It's and what what bothers me is how same same boring they are. Yeah, they're like all real like they all read like the second dot point of Spite Squall. Yeah, that's how those. 
<laughs> they're not even good. It's not even that like spicy, fancy vanilla ice cream. Just like regular ass. Here's three liters of your your crappiest. At least it's cold ice cream. Um, yeah, nothing interesting yeah. there at all. Uh, dude, that is going to bring us up to the last thing we do when we're finished reviewing a book is tell you guys, uh, give it a rating, and then tell you guys where we think it's going to end up in the meta or a group prediction. And just so you know, where I, I want to say we're rarely right about our predictions, but we're not. We're actually we're actually on the money. Uh, uh, more often than we're not, at least I'd like to say so on this show. Um, I think that's but at, true. out of ten, um, how highly, oh, sorry, how happy do you think Renegade Knights players will be with this book, or how good do you think this book has been for the player base? So I think it's like an eight, like a seven or an eight. This book is really good. This book requires a really specific type of pilot. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are a more conservative player, this book will likely frustrate you. Because it just can. Like, it's not yeah. that it's not good at it. It just can. Like, all of the abilities trigger at shorter ranges. All of the things that this book is good at are, like, primary denial, aggressive play in your opponent's deployment zone. Like, all this disruption stuff all require you to be a go-getter. Um, <laughs> I like that. Go-getter. And if you're a more conservative player that's looking to minimize interaction in a game... This book is going to be really frustrating to use because it's just not going to line up with what you want to do with it. Mm. Um, a lot of the ways that you can be less interactive at this point are through psychic secondaries. And this book does have a good psyker, but that psyker is 450 points. It needs to do things besides those secondaries or you will lose the game. So it's like a weird push pull. I think in the right hands, this book has like one of the highest ceilings in the game. This book could be one of the top three armies right now. But again, it has to be played with someone with that mind. You can't be afraid to lose units. Like stuff's going to die. It's going to happen. You need to have like contingency plans in place for that. And you need to be able to get in their deployment zone. Mm. I do agree. I think a seven or an eight uh, is where I'm going to go with it. I read the Imperial Knights book as a six. So the difference here, and people are going to say, well, this book isn't better than Imperial Knights. Um, It's better for the players than the previous book. I'm only judging this against where Renegade Knights came from. Renegade Knights didn't have a freaking army prior to this book as far as i'm concerned did not have a competitive archetype that they could take to an event and hope to go three and two it was it was not even there didn't even touch the sides imperial knights came from the free the very good triple magera free blade lance extremely powerful i was annihilating thick like john and jack playing thick city and um and custodians and stuff in the prepper lvo with that list renegade knights Renegade Knights couldn't have done anything similar. Um, and so they were playing from coming from a much stronger place. So this is this is even possibly a nine for the player base. I will knock one off because once again, I think the bookkeeping is a part of this. Bookkeeping every single model for how many kills they've done on their favor table. Which way yeah. are you going to go with your harboring your abilities? Did you take Spite Scroll? Are you going to lose 10 minutes of your clock just because you took a freaking yeah. psychic power? <laughs> <laughs> you should start the game with 10 less minutes. 10 less minutes and not, not cast the power. Yeah. Uh, if you take Spite Scroll at an event I'm at and it does more than five mortal wounds, come find me. I'll buy you a drink. Do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think I'm going to give this an eight or an eight. eight. I think I'm gonna knock, I was going to give it a nine. I'm going to knock one off because of the... Um, because of the bookkeeping aspect, like I did with Imperial Knights. Uh, but yeah, how do you think this is going to end up? Where, where, What's the power um, for this from the traditional C to S tier, like C, um, C, D, sorry, C, B, A, S tier? Where was it going to line up or finish? I think it ends in A. I think if we get the thing Warcom talked about, where it slashes a bunch of CP costs for a bunch of the armies that are like not taking battalions and stuff, 
Mm -hmm. Uh, this list is basically unaffected by that and really likes getting two CP back a turn. So this book is like on the precipice of like being extremely powerful because if it forces other books into battalions where they're taking less lethality, dude, the second you like actively can't kill this list, it's really problematic because it's gonna kill you. Yes, exactly right. And a lot of people do need CP like stratagem assistance to guarantee killing, getting kills on knights. So yeah. that's definitely a thing. Um, so wait, so where did you put it? Did you give it a letter? Uh, yeah, I think it's in A, and I think it has potential for S in the in the future. Where do we put Imperial Knights? I think I put Imperial Knights B plus to A, right? Yeah, I think they were like B plus to upper A. Like they can swing. They're a really weird book. Like in that regard, mm-hmm. um, a lot of this depends on like the like what is good, right? Because Imperial Knights have like they're built around the big dudes, which can't get obscuring. But if you take a many small knights build in chaos, there's a lot more room there for you on a lot of different terrain layouts. Whereas, like on some layouts, the Questorus stuff is just kind of not great. Yeah, um, I think ooh, I'm going to put this one thing higher than the Imperials. And that's weird. I do, I do think the Imperials are the ah. Uh, I might no, nah, no. Nah, I'm putting this B plus as well. I'm going to yeah. Both both of them about B plus. I think these are lists that will now reward the generalship of the player rather than just the the ability to force a stat check on your opponent and rock paper scissorsism. So yep. I think this is a much better quality of life for, for all night players world over. And um, yeah, about if if you were in, there were probably C plus to B before, um, as in just in that solid gatekeeper role. I don't even know if I give them that much. Before it was rough, dude. Oh, dude, yeah, B, but B plus like with I think depending on the meta and any meta shifts. The only reason I don't put them higher is because I think they've got two horrific matchups in um, Halo Doom, Eldari, and Tau that I need to see proof of of them being able to play those effectively before I'll put them any higher. Yeah, that's totally valid. I think Hale is a very winnable matchup, but you have to build your list with a bunch of those chain cannons. Those strength right. six chain cannons yep. rip up Eldar yep. really hard. Uh, Tau, not so much. Tau, I really am, don't. I'm still looking for an answer. If anyone well, has any ideas, reach out to me. That's but the like, one. Yeah. We're going to unpack that even more with new knowledge um, in part two. So please come over and join us there because we're going to wrap up this episode now. Thank you so much, Anthony, for coming on for four freaking weeks in a row and you know, giving us multiple hours essentially every single week. I love you, man. Um, much appreciated. Everyone go over and please give Anthony some love also if you need any coaching or anything like that or just tell him he's an awesome lad next time you see him or whatever. Um, anything you'd like to plug before we wrap up, brother? Um, not too much. I'm an Art of War coach. I do a podcast every week on the Best in Tabletop Network called 40K Fight Club with myself, Nathan, and Ennis Wilson. Um, come check us out. Come say hi and chat. Adam does every so often, so you can get a little bit of Adam in your life as well. <laughs> um, yeah, those are pretty much the main things I do. I'm an Art of War coach, and you're listening to the Art of War already through the down under side. So you know where it's at. Um, you know where yeah, it's at. That's, that's pretty much it. Thank this you so the, much. Uh, the place to be. What's your next event, mate? I am going to the Atlantic City Open in Lovely. You're playing Nids? I am playing Nids for that one, because I you. won't have Chaos Knights ready. You. Fair, but fair. Also, you jump in Adam's Patreon and vote for what army I should play at the next... At Definitely. I've got one more week. Definitely do it. I'm going to check out a poll up now as well. Um, love you, mate. Thank you so much. See you over on part two. We're going to be doing our usual Renegade Knights think tank, talking about lists, talking about tech, and then breaking down matchups into the top of the meta. What secondaries do you want to be able to build to be able to take and how you want to conceptualize that game? Thank you so much again, mate. And yeah, we'll see you on the other side, guys. Take care and look after yourselves. Thank you for listening to Art of War Down Under. 
a content review podcast for Warhammer 40k. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Enjoyed the show? Want your lists reviewed and the content you heard put into practice? Sign up to our Patreon and connect with us online or on Facebook. Just search for Art of War Down Under. Signing out from tomorrow. Tomorrow.